Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself The Wire. A The Wire podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Wire and talk about it. Thank you so much for joining us for season two of Pod Yourself The Wire uh, first, some a note up top. If you are listening to this podcast on a feed called Pod Yourself the Wire, guess what? Uh, you're listening on the wrong feed. You see, we decided to you make a separate it. feed. Yeah, I fucked it up. We decided yeah, to make Matt a separate it, really. feed. Yeah, this is my fault. We we were like, hey, well, you know, it's a different show, so let's do a different feed instead of Pod Yourself a Gun, which was our original about the Sopranos. Oh, I decided, uh, you know what? Fuck that. Um, please subscribe to Pod Yourself a Gun. You will get all the Pod Yourself a Wire episodes on Pod Yourself a Gun's feed. Um, so just so do that for us because uh, separating the feeds just fucks everything up. It makes everything harder, and uh, it's just not it's not pleasant. So um, do us the huge favor of looking up Pod Yourself a Gun, subscribing to that, and uh, just forget the other feed exists. Just don't. Just, you know. And if you're already on the Pod Yourself a Gun feed, uh, congrats. You you did awesome. You stayed, and you were right, and I was wrong. So sorry about that. Um, also, Pod Yourself a Gun will be live at Sketchfest January 28th at 10 p.m. at the Piano Fight Theater. Uh, buy your tickets now. Uh, sfsketchfest.com are you excited for th- for that show vince i'm so excited you know what i'm also excited about it's uh what? it's dungeness crab season 
uh, in the Bay. I want to. I can't wait to eat me some crab and talk about the Sopranos. It's our first ever live show. Uh, last year they had to cancel Sketchfest because of COVID, and uh, we are very excited. Not that our first they've... ever live show. Just our first ever live podcast. Like we've talked into microphones no. on stage before. You're not going to see. We're not like no, work, no, no, workshop no, and shit for you. You're not our. No, pace. I mean our first ever. Pod yourself a gun rewatch, and we're going to be talking about the Many Saints of Newark, the Sopranos movie, um, and uh, it's going to be great. So please buy your tickets now before they sell out, or worse, if they don't sell out, then um, we'll be mad at you, and we'll look like fools, and then I'll kill myself. How's that? <laughs> yeah, sounds like so it's, my, a real, it's a big time threat. My life is in your hands. Um, okay. Now that we've got all that out of the way, five stars in review, you know what to do. Today, we're going to be talking about from season two of The Wire, episode one, Ebb Tide. And our guest today is a hilarious comedian, uh, a dear homie. He has a wonderful new special called Testify. It's available on YouTube for free, but also you should go buy it. So, you know, find a place where you can buy stuff and buy Testify. Ladies and gentlemen and everyone else, our guest today is Billy Wayne Davis. Hey, you guys. I'm hey. glad you, you guys worked that feed thing out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting stuff. I'm sure that, uh, you know, it's a riveting. Can I ask a, a, a question just from, a, and I think this you guys will appreciate it. I see how your brains work. Oh, yeah. The pod yourself, the wire. Mm -hmm. There was that, you guys are like, we're just going to. It's less, it's less confusing to make it kind of confusing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, in a way, I mean, so I love that kind of stuff where it's like, hey, that's weird, and you're like, no, not if you've been here since the start. It's not. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Yeah. I mean, listen, we had thought about obviously, pod yourself a gun was a got yourself a gun intro, you know, theme song. To I the totally Soprano. got that. that yeah. I, yeah. And then I we mean, were what like, are we gonna oh, do if you pod through the garden? Like, uh, well, I mean, we could. Originally, that was what we were going to call it. Um, uh, and then, or, you know, something like way down in a pod or pod down in a hole. And there's all these things. And then uh, we were like, you know, it'd be funny uh, <laughs> having it not make any sense to I liked anyone. It. I, that's why I, I do like it. See, I like that. you understand good jokes. And that's why we had you on, you know, the greatest, the wire, the podcast that ever exists. The only wire podcast that exists, actually. I don't know if you know that. That's not true, because even in the in no. introduction to watching this episode oh, on no. HBO, nope. they promote oh, a well. 20th anniversary yeah, but that's of not, the wire podcast no, it's not hosted really, by no. method man mm -mm. it's not Ooh. really a podcast nope. i was I, I tried listening to that you it know, was that sound when you used to on, send a fax or connect to the yeah, internet network yeah, like, eh, yeah. okay i didn't it was just a lot of that and you know method man is not wonderful in every way so no. you know what i mean so oh, just, yeah I, I get why it's probably they were like let's just Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a scam. Uh, there's only one they trick wire you. podcast, and you're listening. I didn't to click it. on it. I'm just telling you Good. that it's out there. You guys should be aware. Oh, we're suing currently. We're in litigation uh, over that. Um, so you know, money. Good luck. That is that's impressive. Warner Brothers is. Yeah, they got money too, but <sighs> even that I think is fake. Like their podcasts. 
Um, so Billy Wayne Davis, tell us, um, do you like The Wire? Yes, I really. It. I mean, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's I mean, it's sick. not awesome because it's like very accurate. So it's not awesome, but it is awesome. Baltimore has a vibe, and they got it. Yeah, they got it down. And that vibe, especially in like 2003, is 1997, which <laughs> I think is an impressive, impressive vibe. I, I feel like this season specifically with the character of Nikki Sabatka is kind of the most impressive where you're like, you ever see like, um, I don't know, like footage from uh, like Russia around the same time and they just discovered Michael Jackson. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's like everything is just like 10 years behind. Yeah, these guys look like they could be at a Papa Roach show like right right, right before filming. You like like Nikki Sabatka looks look like he is one of the dudes in in uh that band BB Mac which was a very popular boy band. He's I got remember that, they're British BB Mac. Yes. Yeah, and he's got the, the the hair and whatnot. So uh, yeah, it's it's a vibe for sure. Um, do you uh, what do you think of season two? I was just, I mean, when you go back and watch some of the like you guys watch the Sopranos, and like I think I was just watching. I'm just amazed with like how transported immediately you are in the story. Like the opening scene is like. You're like, oh yeah, this, and then <laughs> oh yeah, the city has a harbor. Yeah, right. and then you're also like, it's you feel cold. Mm, yeah, watching. you really do. Yes. Yeah, you can you can sense how bad the weather is just like. And then the also, we don't see storytelling this detailed much anymore. So when yeah. you go back and watch it, it's breathtaking mm-hmm. in the truest sense of the word. We're like, oh, this is <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I was like watching the clock to because we had to meet up to do this, and I was just like, "Man, I kind of want to tell these guys to fuck off," and I'm just gonna watch <laughs> episodes two and three because yeah. it's like this is so. But I remember watching it because it grabs you that first season, and then season two, you're like, "Huh?" Yeah, like even, totally. Like that first, like I paused it 15 minutes in just to be like. How many seasons were there? <laughs> you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you look and you're like, okay, this is where it kind of like, because the first season's like great. And then I think this is, I remember watching it the first time and where you're like, oh, this show's like deeper than I, like, I don't It's understand. doing something. It's doing yeah. more stuff. That's what, yeah, where you're just like, huh, this is, this yeah. is not, okay. They're, these are some of the same players, but they're all, like, I don't. It was too much new shit uh, for me right off the bat. I remember, and I think in general, season two is one of the more controversial seasons. I think season two and season five seem to be the ones where you have the most people on the fence. Because season two um, decided to completely move. uh, I mean, you still see a lot of the characters from season one. But they decide to move the focus to the docks and to mostly white people. And it's definitely um, jarring. I, I remember watching season two and being like, why do they do this for like four episodes? And just going like, this is boring. Boo. Boo. Every time I saw a dock worker. Um, and I remember almost like muscling through it 
to get to season three and then like, all right, yeah, we're back. Yeah, cool guys doing gangster stuff. And it wasn't until I think I rewatched the show like the second time that I was like, oh, this is actually this is this is doing something that yeah, it doesn't I, come I, at you like a police procedural, which is really funny because it like it ends with like a it ends with like a law and order level uh, mystery tease. So like yeah, it very yeah. much is a police procedural still, uh, but like because it drops you off with all these union guys, you're like, what the fuck am I watching uh, initially? Yes. Yeah. Well, it no. shows it's more than a police procedural. It's what I remember thinking the first time, like you said, where you're like, huh, it's about, it's not the stuff anymore. <laughs> but then... <laughs> Then it hitting me like, oh, these are gangsters, like in a totally different way. Right. And, like, this I mean, we're whole... conditioned, like, especially in the when this came out, we were like conditioned to think that there was basically like four different types of TV shows, or it was like, okay, we got cops and robbers, hospital comedy, or, uh, <laughs> you know, it was like hospital there was. Comedy. There was like three shows, and the cops and yeah. cops and like drug dealers is a pretty well established genre of show and that's and like the wire even though the first season is obviously like a lot more than that it was that like it was that so it didn't totally it didn't like jar you it's not like it's not like here are archetypes we have to stick to every fucking time yeah and that's where like that's those kind of shows get really old to me for sure it's like it's so formulaic and i get why they make them because people can watch them and understand yeah and you but you like at this point like you forget how formulaic tv shows were in this era like because if you go back and watch sex in the city which i'm pretty sure came out like right it was like was in its 99 yeah it was in the middle of its run like while this show came out and if you watch that it's like every single interaction between the four girls it's basically like them being like i'm the writer i'm the slut i'm a lawyer it's like they just like they they hammer home the thing that they're playing like with yeah. every single line where it's like, okay, we get yeah. it, but that's just how shows kind of operated uh, yeah. at the and time. Charlotte was like, and I'm actually hot, which yeah. was, she was my favorite character because she was actually kind of hot. <laughs> she was hot, but she was a mess. You know she was I mean? a mess, but she I mean, I, you know, that's she was even the virgin. hotter. Yeah. Um, and it was written by gay dudes. So oh, 100%. that show's very complicated. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can tell because you're like, no, this is, this, this is a show about four gay men, but it's, you just put girl names on it. It's that Christina Aguilera sketch from SNL when she's like, and I'm a dude. And you're like, that is the show. That is, <laughs> That's the show. That's that absolutely is the right. Show. That is, you guys really, this is a good sketch. Good job, guys. Yeah. But like, I think it's back to the wire. I do think. Like, it shows, it's also like The Sopranos, like, and I think that's why you guys picked it, where there's yeah. no one, like you said, everything's formulaic and archetypes, and like, these guys are the good, and these guys are the bad, where right. you start watching this show, and you're like, like, McNulty takes a bribe. Yeah. The first Opens fucking, with him taking a bribe. Like, literally 30 <laughs> or 45 seconds in, he's taking a bribe, so you're like, mm-hmm. you're like, dude, I get it. Yeah. I like you a lot, but... 
uh, yeah. Yeah. and then you're like, I would have done that too. I think. Yeah, uh, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, that tracks. Why wouldn't he take yeah, that breath? Yeah, we're just like, yeah, just do it. Just move them. Yeah. yeah, there's no good guys. There's no bad guys. There's just guys who uh, have different motivations that are mostly based on spite. And that, I think, is the most human thing yeah, in the world. Yeah, I mean, world. like, the the, uh, the beauty of it. I mean, in this, I think this episode is, like, a fantastic opening episode. Because yeah. it, starts, it starts with, like, a petty workplace beef. Uh, it, it's like multi. I mean, the wire is always about workplace beefs, but you got like M- McNulty's workplace. It's just beef. politics and then, at every level. Yeah, and then you got show. and yes. then you got yes. uh, you know, these two Polacks in a pissing contest, which like yes. it's, it's perfect. If any anyone sh- who has uh like Catholic family members has seen like at least you know three of their mm-hmm. uncles have exactly this kind of pissing contest, which comes down to really fucking petty. Stupid stuff like literally pissing contest. Sometimes, yeah, yes. yeah. literally, it is two people going like, "I bet but, I could piss uh, more." Like, and when dude pulls his dick out in the bar, you're like, "Well, he's gonna win." That little skinny kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, Ziggy big got dick the energy. Dick. No, I don't. No, from. you don't. Like having a big dick doesn't necessarily mean you true, can pee better. True. I have a weak stream and a huge. But it explains why that kid is so confident. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you he's know what an I mean? Interesting character. Because like, can yeah. I? Yeah, w- can we talk about that? That because that was like, because yeah. you are curious. Like, why is this dude so? A, why is that skinny kid down there? He yeah. shouldn't be down there. That's not yes. none of like the, he doesn't belong at all. And then the mouthy part, where you're just like, mm-hmm. I don't understand why they put up with him and then where his confidence comes from. All he does is get, and then he pulls it, and you're like, oh well, that's. He's yeah. got two things going for him. It's that he's got a huge dick, and his dad is the boss of the docks. Mm-hmm. And yes. so <laughs> it's yes. like he really gets to get away with murder, which is uh, one of my favorite moments in the, in the episode is when they're in the bar. Right before he pulls out his dick, the bartender yells, and I have a clip. You're not taking your dick out of here again. Like, <laughs> you're not taking your dick out in here again. He does it a lot. He's a habitual dick shower, and um, I always wonder that about guys with really big dicks. Because like, if you're a girl with like, pu- like perfect breasts, uh, like everybody mm. knows it. Like you cannot, you're not, you're not hiding them. Absolutely, uh, unless you try really hard, and even then, probably not. But if you got yeah. a big dick, like, who's gonna know unless you show them? Right, and it mm. seems like important to show because. If it's well, especially big. if it had no other attributes. Yeah. That kid's not oh, yeah. like, he's not got a lot else going on. No. So, no. So no, he's all. Move. Yeah. He's mostly just like, check this out. And and I, I think fair enough. Everyone's got to have a thing. Unfortunately, Ziggy wants his thing to be like being kind of a cool gang gangster type guy. He wants to do crimes. And um, unfortunately, he's too fucking stupid for that. Um, but we'll it, get into it. Is all... so oh, one of those dudes should pull him aside and just be like, like you th- just be like, hey, you're just you're not cut out for like this life. Yeah. But like we've got an angle on porn, and we could think like, <laughs> do you, they're just like a like a like a like a D level story, like a D story yeah. of just like them getting into like. Yeah, just, like porn, 
like yeah, weird it'd be illegal gra- Ziggy porn the and cam like boy. Just, like, shooting. Yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. like he's he could have been a own... cam boy before there were even cam boys. Yeah, Nicky you know? could have just been filming. He like, could have been like, remember, like during this era, they had the, you know, they had the weird like Gonzo style where the guy with the camera was like talking to the performers. Yeah, like, oh, you yeah. like yeah. you fucking like, are so good right now, bro. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 dude. Yeah. Fuck yeah, fuck her good. Yeah, keep yeah. fucking her, dude. Like OG, yeah. OG bang bus. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, is yeah, such yeah. a weird thing. Where it's yeah, just like, do it. <laughs> oh, like yeah, that guy was the weirdest guy because he's like, no, 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 I don't. I'm just here to watch. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey. I'm just a fan. Just, this video just is a for producer, the fan, man. <laughs> yeah. just, I just like. I like to do stuff. I like yeah. producing content. That's yeah, all I'm, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm honestly, <laughs> I'm just here for uh, my reel, um, <laughs> kind of get my resume in order, and um, also because I'm really into watching people fuck. Not which, just on, in a bus. I got a van. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll bus. do it on a boat. I'll do it uh, fucking in a motel. But this is not a podcast about bang bus. No, this is a podcast, though. Yeah, all of all three of us were like, well, I'm familiar with this. We all know bang bus. (laughs) That'll be a Uh, pod yourself a bang bus. Yeah. uh, Coming season three. Yourself a bus. Um, No, this is a podcast about the wire. And we, of course, cannot start the podcast, although we have essentially started the podcast without first playing the season two theme song. When you hard the garden, you get a hard bad. Well, I beg your pod walk the street podcast trail. If you hard with Jesus, he's gonna save the docks. <laughs> you gotta keep the Polish pod down in the hole. Oh right! <laughs> it's like so, some good sampling. You Thank you, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That's like a modern. Uh, what's his name? Andy Kaufman with the where, where he's waiting for his cue the whole time. It's yeah, like we're, the Mighty we're, Mouse. We're, yeah, we're trying to figure out what is your Mighty Mouse moment. Yeah, well, I got a few new ones in there. Yep. Um, ladies and gentlemen, everyone else today. Once again, we're going to be talking about season two, episode one of The Wire Ebb Tide. Uh, now, this episode premiered June 1st, 2003. Vince, can you break us off a little piece of that synopsis? I sure can. Uh, is this the, the one at the top there? Uh, it's the one that says synopsis. I, I couldn't pick a joke, so I did two jokes. So you just uh... this season should be called kielbasa because it's got a lot of Polish beef. Thank How you. many Polacks does it take to screw in a stained glass window? That is the synopsis of today's episode. And uh, Vince, what was happening at the time that this episode came out? Yes, I believe what you're trying to say, Matt, is that we cannot uh, evaluate art without first acknowledging the cultural context in which it was released. Um, and to put some of that cultural context back, we, uh, we, we use a little something we call the back-in-the-day machine. It's a bad time for newspapers. The news hole is shrinking as advertising dollars continue to decline. There ain't no back-in-the-day machine tells the tale, son. That's right. And for this episode, uh, we're going all the way back to June 1st, 2003, when it was released. Yeah. Uh, lots of stuff happening. It's actually a pretty big news day. Because oh. uh, the suspect in the 1996 Olympic bombing uh, was... Richard Jewell? Was caught. No, it wasn't Richard Jewell. I'm pretty Jeez. sure it was Richard Jewell. Dude, Clint Eastwood's going to get so mad at you. 
Oh, uh, it was actually a guy named Eric Rudolph, uh, the wily survivalist charged in the bombing at the 1996 Olympics <laughs> and attacks on abortion clinics, uh, was arrested this morning behind a supermarket digging through a Rooting dumpster. around for food, yeah. That's right. I remember that. What? Really? Mr. Yeah. Rudolph, who had vanished into the thick forests of Appalachia, living off a mix of wild berries, tuna fish, and help from some sympathetic local residents. <laughs> I to- love that. He, he lived off berries, tuna that he f- fished from the sea, and charity from people. <laughs> well, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Steaks, I, was like, yeah. I was like, there's like, he was already like a like a... He was that dude was like pre off the grid cool. Yeah, he was yeah, like yeah. an off the grid dude, but he was also like a, a anti-abortion guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how he would get. Also, let me just say, as someone that grew up uh, in Appalachia, there mm-hmm. is a fuck the government sentiments that runs through there. So it doesn't matter unless you've done something like, you know. Fuck some Bond. kids or killed somebody's oh, yeah. kin. People yeah. are gonna be like, "Yeah, man. I mean, we all got problem with the government. You can take some <laughs> of that chicken over there. You know, it's like yeah. that's kind of yeah, yeah. We've all been there one way or another. You know, so, yeah, was... man. What'd you do? Oh, you did bomb stuff. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. Okay. You want some tuna? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Rudolph surfaced here in the very corner of rural North Carolina where the search began five years ago. A rookie police officer, Jeffrey Postal, spotted Mr. Rudolph, 36, behind a save-a-lot and arrested him for attempted burglary. After he took Mr. Oh, Rudolph hey, he to jail... he was dumpster diving. That's not a... That, that's, is that burglary? Dumpster small diving? Ta- in a small town, they don't... You are... You're a homeless dude. So yeah, what but... that is, is... Sure, but in a small town, there aren't homeless people. Oh, uh, yeah. There's so, only criminals who are digging yeah, well, through your trash. Not even like, it's just like, what are you fucking doing? Right. Is yeah, what yeah, they're yeah. doing is what that cop is doing. Because people don't, like in a city, that's a thing. Because right. there's a lot going on. In I mean, a small it's, town it's, in yeah. western, you know, western North Carolina and Appalachia, some dude behind the food lion in the garbage, you're going to be like, I, this is a drug addict. <laughs> Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. He's got to go. Yeah, we've got it. He's he's going to scare my grandma is what he's going to do. <laughs> and dude goes over there. He's like, no, it's the FBI guy. He's going on the FBI. I called him. I did it. That's exactly what happened. After he took Mr. Rudolph to jail, a colleague recognized his face from the FBI mm. posters plastered across town. I did not have a clue who he was, Officer Postel said. I told you. I told you. <laughs> uh, today, even after his capture, many people here still identified with him. Rudolph's a Christian, and I'm a Christian, and he dedicated his life to fighting abortion, said Crystal Davis, 25, a mother of four. Those are our values. These are our woods. I don't see what he did as a terrorist act. Yeah, no, he's just having fun. <laughs> yeah, boys will be boys. Well, he's got special skills, and he's using them. Exactly. Yeah. He can make bombs, and he can eat berries. He uh, knows which berries are poison and which are not. Yeah, he didn't get caught in the woods. He got caught in the city. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, another news, and this one feels like a very uh, slice of slice of two thousand three. Yeah, uh, there was a guy who made a book, a book of poetry out of uh, quotes from Donald Rumsfeld. Oh wow! Um, oh man! Yeah, Hell what? Yeah. Yeah. Hart Seeley, a staff reporter for the Post Standard in Syracuse, New York. Did they put York, him in jail with that guy? That- <laughs> <laughs> has a brilliant knack for finding poetry in the most ordinary prose. 
He proves it in Pieces of Intelligence, the exact existential poetry of Donald H. Rumsfeld, which he, com- oh, which wait, he compiled and pro- edited. This is pro Rumsfeld poetry. No, this isn't like no. Oh, okay. oh it's okay. a, he's doing an art. He's just an art guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just doing art. Uh, in 118 oh, then I'm pages. Okay with it. I thought yeah. he was like pro Rumsfeld yeah, poetry, yeah, yeah. and I was like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Seely has mined the official U.S. Department of Defense's transcripts of Rummy's news briefings and press conferences, and discovered embedded in them pure poetic gold in the form of unintentional haikus, haikus, lyrical poems, and free verse. Uh, hmm. Some are as focused as a Scud missile. Needless to say, needless to say, the president was correct, whatever it was he said. Some are lyrical, even a bit giddy. Uh, balloons and music. You saw what happened in Afghanistan. The people went out in the streets, and they were joyous, and they had balloons, and they played music, and they welcomed the U.S. because everyone knows the United States does not want to occupy Iraq. <laughs> So yeah, this he's is funny. He's funny. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's beautiful, beautiful poetry right there. Yeah. I don't understand how uh how you can is it poetry because the like the stanzas are weird shaped? Yeah. Oh, he does that. Yeah. Is that cuz I don't know what makes anything poetry. I think I've I, I, they tried I... to explain in high school that like poetry doesn't have, have to rhyme. And then I was like, well, you lost me now. Now I don't know what we're <laughs> yeah, talking about. Yeah, I remember that too. We're be like, well, I disagree. Yeah, I'd be like, well, I don't know what the difference. Then it's yeah. a, small sentences. Yeah. Small yeah, sentences. They're, and they're like, no, but look, see how it's like there's yeah. weird spacing. No, that's poetry. Well, according to the English class I just took, that's an incomplete sentence. Yeah, yeah that's like that's a bad sentence. Well, it's, it's like a if song. It doesn't rhyme. It's not a poem. It's just right. an unfinished thought. Well, it's like a song. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, they, these lyrics, they don't have to rhyme. And you're like, yeah, but they, they should. They really need to yeah. for and me rhyming to like the song. Yes. makes it fun. Mm-hmm. It, like you're ruining it by not rhyming. Even if you, is. I would rather you fake the words. Make fake words. Right, yeah. You I know? agree. OJ rather, got off with, mur- with for murder because <laughs> yes. dude rhymed. Yeah, I that's am. right. If we're not, that is, that's the most that is, like it's not it all of it. That's not the thing. whole reason he got off, but it it's a larger percentage than we than we want to admit as right. human beings. That, yeah, he said, you know, the glove don't fit. You must have quit, and we all went. It's trying to say. Everyone that's repeated a, it a bunch. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. That's just Johnny Cochran being in courtrooms his whole adult life, yeah. and yeah. being like, "This is the trust me." And I, I guarantee <laughs> you, in yeah. those rooms before that, they were like, uh, "I don't know if it's a good idea." You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah. he's like, "Watch, yeah, watch, watch what happens." <laughs> and they did it, happens. and the, like, I bet the energy in the room changed in the courtroom <laughs> when he did it. And the yeah, other you could hear you like, could hear Marshall Clark balling bitch. up a piece of paper like son of a bitch, <laughs> son he got of us. And the other like even his team, even his team is like that motherfucker. I tell you, he's right. <laughs> I can't believe it. he's right. I could. I didn't he's, think that worked. Son of a bitch oh, did it again. That's gonna get you. Like they lean in like that's gonna get you off from killing those two people. <laughs> <laughs> I love the the prosecutor is like, damn it. He beat us with doing hip hop oh, rap. He did a rhyme. <laughs> he did a hip hop, and now he's gonna get away with it. That's that's definitely what happened. Uh, elsewhere, my last story. This one is specifically about the wire from the Baltimore hey. Sun. 
tapping into new terrain in its new season, The Wire moves from Baltimore's drug underworld to its working class docks. Yeah, uh, it's drug it's drug overworld. Uh, drug water world some might say with kevin costner Uh, (laughs) very good the wire returns to hbo tonight for its second season with a new locale and a groundbreaking exploration of life in working class america the critically acclaimed series is still set in baltimore but rather than the drug world of inner city high-rise projects its primary locale at least in the first four episodes shifts to the waterfront and the port of baltimore Instead of an African-American drug organization and the addicts and its exploits, uh, the show now focuses on a racially mixed labor union of dock workers and a Polish-American family that lives and dies with the union. The change and from alcoholics. Yeah, mostly <laughs> yeah, alcoholics. Like they, they call black people like drug addicts and stuff, and you're like, yeah, but the, the white people are hammered drunk. The whole They're time. literally, <laughs> like Nikki wakes up and has a beer. That's a and great scene. It's about, a great scene. Like, yeah. It's like, it's such a, I wanted to talk about that too, because yeah, when he does that, because yeah. it's like, oh, it's like that's how people go to work. That's I've right. Always wondered that as like, you know, I mm-hmm. grew up on the cattle farm, so I understand work and all that, <laughs> and so I got away from it as soon as I could. I mean, so, listen, there's a. There's... It's like that great scene in Superbad at at the end when when Jonah Hill goes, "Do alcoholics get hangovers? Like, how does this?" this... <laughs> yeah. I, that's, that's such no, a great. There's a there's a grand tradition, especially of, uh, you know, Central European immigrants, uh, just basically being kind of drunk for most of the day. Like you you do you're going out there, you're doing that uh, doing that hard yard work or uh, ranch work as it as it probably started out. Like, yeah, they were drinking beer. When they woke up and drinking it all day, just keeping that buzz going, like basically yeah. for the whole day. What's well, you're not it's, in constant pain. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta be a little shit faced. I mean, you're still yeah. in a little pain, but uh, being a little bit shit faced far less helps. Yeah. Uh, so this is where he contextualizes this uh, whole season. There is little precedence within television history for the rich portrayal of working class life as depicted by The Wire. There was a promising NBC drama in 1980 called Skag with Carl Malden as a Serbian-American steelworker named Peter Skagska, but it was canceled after only six weeks. Well, then, and there ha- the name was so good, though. Yeah, it's a great name. Well, people thought it was about heroin, and they probably got disappointed. That makes sense. Yeah, and there have been only and there have been a few rare sitcoms, such as ABC's Roseanne, that featured working-class characters. But mm. sitcoms, by definition, are more about laughs than any kind of in-depth exploration of social class and the ways in which it can shape lives. To find comparison, one must go beyond television to feature films to Michael Cimino's *The Deer Hunter*, which won the Oscar for Best Picture in 1978. The Wire, in its new season, has moments when it resonates with that masterpiece of American cinema about young working-class men coming of age as they journey from their Pennsylvania steel meal community to the killing fields of Vietnam and back again. The same frustration, confusion, anger, and alienation felt by the Polish-American steelworkers played by Robert De Niro, John Savage, Christopher, blah, 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 suffused union life on the waterfront in The Wire. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. It's just like the deer hunter, guys. Calm down. Yeah, no, it's the same it's thing. Just, We're gonna have like well, three episodes that are just a wedding scene in the middle of it mm-hmm. for some reason. That we can make yeah. it exactly like the Deer Hunter. I don't know if you guys. I hope it's long. There's like a well, they, fucking forty minute you wedding. You can't scene write it. You can't. You can't get a write up because this is obviously a publicist is behind this. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. 
people know because you can't just be like, no, they nail it. It's like the deer hunter. We're just like sad for the American worker. (laughs) How fucking mind-numbing nightmare this Mm -hmm. is. Like, oh, you get away from it, but you got to go kill some other poor people in a place that's just like, just so foreign. You think you're on another planet. Yeah. And then you come back. It's like that movie. You got to go play Russian roulette for a living and then come back home and then have an even worse job than that. Yeah, I, yeah. You know that feeling of like, should we finish this movie? I feel like this is damaging <laughs> us. That's how this TV show is about our town. I will be real with you. I have never finished the Deer Hunter for that exact reason. I'm just it's, like, oh, I, I, uh, no, I do not want to be dreary for two hours and fifty minutes. Like it just, uh, I can't, can't, don't, didn't enjoy it. I couldn't. I mean, I'm sure it's good. It's like, if I, that's like saying that. The Joker glorified anyone in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Where they're I like, just, it kind of nails it like this, and you're like, no, that no. is God. <laughs> but you know, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to get the word out. Uh, hey, the wire. Remember the first wire? Yeah. Here's another the wire, and <sighs> it's this time, it's white. This <laughs> is about the other. This is about another horrific part of our city. Yeah, <laughs> Enjoy. that's basically what it is. Yes, yeah, it's it's. And they, pretty... and they, I guess that the newspaper can't be like, "Hey, we're trying to get the word out about how bad this place sucks." <laughs> yeah, was that the Baltimore Sun who wrote that? By the way, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, yes, yeah. yeah. They're yeah, like, "Look, good. we got our." Sh-. I mean, that's why they gave <sighs> this feature to the. Yeah, because it's a home, the hometown guy. You give it to the hometown guy. Yeah. Hey, that sad show about one of... our town is. It's probably one of David Simon's friends, you know. That's what I was thinking, too, is like, he knows all those people. Oh, yeah. Someone's vying for a writing job. Used to work there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's uh, that's been the, what do you call it? The fucking back in the day machine. That's the back in the day machine. That is what is happening in this episode. Um, Now, real quick for the Balta B stories. Uh, This week's Balta B story is based on a song that came out at the exact same time by a band called The Postal Service. I'm going to play a little bit. Uh, (laughs) Enjoy. Do you know The Postal Service? to it it's basically it's just about sounds um, pretty highbrow yeah it's a it's highbrow you really gotta know the postal service uh it's a ben gibbard band anyways uh like the song said at moments uh who are these people this is a new season of the wire episode one season two we have decided to switch over and go to the docks so let's there's uh, these are stevedores from the yeah, uh, old Latin stevedores, uh, okay. which okay. Uh, 
is guys who Steve. Yeah, these are guys who do Steve for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we, uh, you know, I like that I gotta say, their union is called the IBS. That's pretty great. I love it. Irritable, irritable bowel syndrome yeah. slash international brotherhood of stevedores. Um, yeah. So, um, first overall, uh, I just got to say there's a lot of things that I love about season two. And, uh, that's the name of this segment. There's a lot of things that I love about season two of The Wire. A lot of things. <laughs> Thank you, Kanye. Uh, <clears throat> uh, one of the things that uh, I love about this season uh, is the fact that it is so controversial and so hated. Um, it is the one season in which uh, most people I talked to who watch the show who gave up on the show. This is where they gave up. They gave up because... They watched all of season one. They were like, okay, I've become invested in these characters. It takes a long time to get invested into these characters. Uh, you know, like the the wire is more like a novel than it is a TV show in a lot of different ways. Um, there's a lot of threads, there's a lot of establishing like an entire season arc for a character. We meet and- Presbolewski uh when he's like a fuck up fail son in law. Yes. Uh, he then goes on to blind a kid, and then uh, he becomes like a fan favorite. Like, yeah. think of that arc, and now we're starting over with new guys, and it's a little jarring. Right. Yeah, a lot has to, uh, there's a lot of investment that has to go into the show um, just to, you know, enjoy season one of The Wire. So to start off season two at the docks was one of those decisions that it reminds me of like, uh, um, the album that came out from Radiohead after OK Computer when they put out Kid A and they were like, we're, we're not going to do, we're no, just going to do like, I can't, beep, I'm going to stop boop. you here. I just don't, no. I can't do a Radiohead analogy. I can't. Well, I I'm doing a no, Radiohead analogy. No, please no. I'm doing it. Cause like, like a Kid A is very beep, boop, pop, pop, beep, beep, lots of, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, hey, what if, what if we got weird with it? Yeah. You know? And, uh, and you know, it was controversial at the time. People were like, what is this? This is the new yeah, music. Yeah, what's with all the beeping and the booping? But it's a great beep boop. And that's what I love about uh, season two of the, the Wire is that, like, it really, you know, separates the men from the boys. You know what I mean? Sure. It's like, uh, yeah. once I, you I start mean, watching I, I season think... two, you go like, oh, am I here to be entertained or am I here to learn? Mm. See, and... I, th- I think it's a great season. Um, I love season two, but I also understand why it's a tough sell. And I think it mostly comes down mm. to Ziggy, like the character of of Ziggy because mm. Ziggy is a tough sell inherently because he's like a combination of other types of characters that we're sort of used to. Like he, you know, he's the fuck up brother slash relative character that gets the sure. other character into trouble, which we've seen. It's like, he's Fredo. He is, yeah, he's, he's, the he's, fail son. Uh, he's Eric the fail Roberts cousin. in the, in the, in the Pope of, of Greenwich village. Like sure. he's that character. He's also like a grown up AJ Soprano. Um, and right. the, the thing about like AJ Soprano is, uh, we celebrate the fact that he's obnoxious because he's like an obnoxious archetype that we are. He's a person Familiar. that we know. He feels like us when we we're 13 years old. Yes. Like he's instantly sort of recognizable. Like I know this guy. So right. Ziggy's that, but he's also like a unicorn because he's a fail son with a huge dick 
and and he's like and he's this he's this uh shrimpy son of like a giant football player man like yes. he's a, he's yeah. like a weaselly little rat-faced turd uh and his dad is like a big polish oaf and mm-hmm. uh and that's weird like he's 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 this he's the fuck up character but he's also a unicorn and yeah. it's hard to make a fuck up character a unicorn because like the fuck mm. up character is inherently it, it sort of pushes you back away from the story because uh, he's doing things that make you angry. Like he's doing right. like he's he's a he's a wild card. He's a he's wild the one card. You, you're worried about him. He's, you're, you're worried like, about oh, him. And do? so like you naturally like push back on the story because like he's doing things that make people uncomfortable. Like that's his whole character and when that character is like someone familiar or like a a type that you know it's easier to go along with but they've combined that with this like very interesting like unicorn fail son fuck up big dicked guy and like that combination unicorn because of his dick it sounds like you're you're, you're mostly talking about no he's a unicorn because he doesn't dress like any of the other dock workers like he's a complete wild card like he's He's a fail yeah. son, but he's not exactly like the well, fail son that we're used he's to. He's very quick-witted. He runs his, yeah. he's like more theatrical. He's yes. not built like any of them. No. And 100%. he does not, you're right, like he doesn't, like, he's an outlier for sure mm-hmm. because he doesn't care the yes. way that they do or they. he doesn't need for the way that anyone else there needs and he doesn't understand it yeah like he doesn't like there's like this naivete almost like because he's been protected i think because of all that stuff because like it's like how upset he gets when dude is like dude shut the fuck right up like right like that to me like he doesn't even say it mean no, do you know no. what I mean? Like the way he—he's earnestly telling him, "Hey, could you please shut the fuck just up?" Just gotta shut, man. I love you, but you just shut the <laughs> fuck up yeah. right now, so yeah. we can do the thing. And like mm-hmm. any other person would be like, "Oh shit!" Like even our annoying friend, like you're talking about, would be like, "Oh." Like, cause he yeah. delivers it like with some sympathy of like, just I know you can't. He's see, help it. he's like, but there's a way the kid gets so fucking upset about it. That's when I'm like, man. Ugh. Yeah, see, oh, yeah. he's he's true to life in a way that's off-putting in fiction because, like, these other characters, because the way that unicorn character, that wild card, usually works is like you're like usually you're like, who the fuck is this guy and what is his problem, and then gradually you sort of come to know and love this person, and like all of the other characters around Ziggy have clearly gotten to that point, just like you were saying, like he, like his cousin. It's like he tells him to shut the fuck up in a nice way because he has come. He's gotten to the place where he appreciates uh, Ziggy at this point, whereas we're yeah, coming in cold. Funny. And this guy, we don't love him yet. He's just this uh, unicorn who's also being like really fucking obnoxious and fucking up this whole sit down that we want to know what is going on with this sit down. Yeah, yeah. And so we're like, like gangster who is shit this is finally happening. annoying guy fucking up the sit down that we want to yes. watch. So naturally Literally, you're like pushing back yeah. against the story. Well, and, and, and that, also you're like that dude should have punched him too there's like a couple <laughs> times yeah. there's like a yeah. couple times you're like well he has that is where the unicorn thing really i think you're right it like amplifies the unicorn part because some of the stuff he says and to who you're like well this should 
just because like in real life you're like nah you just get smacked for yeah. saying that right. who goes situation? up to a russian guy that they don't know a russian gangster that they don't know and immediately just starts talking shit you're like I, even, like yeah. i will say i love this episode almost everything about it but th- that scene i like i i was I'm still confused. I watch it like six times and I don't know why he immediately starts in with the fucking Boris thing and everyone else sort of goes along with it. It's just okay, like, I have a, I have a clip of that scene. Going down to see the Greek, right? Ziggy. Oh, come on, man. I ain't gonna fuck it up for you. For Christ's sakes, will you just get in a car, Ray? A few moments later. So, uh, you must be the Greek. <laughs> well, I'm Greek anyway. <laughs> hey! Boris, Boris Badenov, I know from the way, right? Why am I Boris? Shit, you're Russian, right? No, Ukraine. Kiev is Ukraine. It's the same difference, though. No, you're wrong. Yeah, it's like the guy from the cartoon. Boris and Natasha. <laughs> Bullwinkle, man. Rocky and Bullwinkle. You want some coffee? Bye. Ah, I'm good. A- actually, what kind of pie you got? Hey, Zig. Shut the fuck up, huh? Like, Boris... And from Rocky and Bullwinkle has like a fedora and like a little wispy mustache. Like he comes in and he calls this like very Slavic uh, blonde guy uh, in a black beanie Boris. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't. You're thinking too hard about it. It's because he has an accent, a Russian accent. He didn't start talking yet. He started calling him Boris before the guy even opened his mouth. No, he knows him from around the way. Like he's a guy they know. Okay. He's a guy they know. I guess that makes sense. But goddamn. And. and his his nickname is Boris, and you know that's uh, it. That totally makes sense to me. Every okay. Russian, every person in school with a Russian accent was Boris yeah. at this time. I can confirm. Um, and <laughs> like I was like, no, I'm not stupid stereotype like Boris. I'm Sergey. <laughs> Yeah, a totally unstereotypical Russian name. <laughs> uh, by the way, I love Sergey is a great name. I mean, it's just uh, it sounds Sergey. like like you're a knight. It sounds like yeah, it's like a knighted gay man. But it also you know is uh, it's just like to me, you might as well be called Boris. Like yeah. if you're, it, it makes it makes no Only sense. Only a guy who'd been called Boris derisively for like quite a while would like object to it. Yeah. And and I I mean I understand where like you would look at that scene and be annoyed with it, but I kind of find it to be um, I don't know it exposes the, I don't know it does a lot of good exposition on Ziggy's character sure in which yeah, like he, yeah he has no ability to stop himself from doing the one thing that he knows how to do good besides like taking his dick out which is perform yeah his whole he's a thing, riff he's a riff guy. It's funny because, like, I think it was like I don't know if it was Thirty Rock. He was Rock a or podcaster born before podcast. Yes, exactly. I, I think Thirty Rock made the joke uh, that, like, you know, uh, the, uh, the children of immigrants, uh, you know, become doctors, and then the children of children of immigrants do improv. <laughs> um, and uh, I and I I think that's a, like a perfect example of what what Ziggy really is is like he's he's never been physically much of anything other than his dick um <laughs> and uh he's only really ability is the, like the gift of get like he's a funny guy he's a yeah. clown and so he's like he wants to do gangster stuff but he also is like he can't stop his inner his innate clownness and in that moment when he's just like I won't fuck this up and he immediately goes up to the 
the guy and goes, you must be the Greek. And there's a, <laughs> just an embarrassing amount of silence where people are like, you, well, you it, I think it does a good job of showing like, there's like a scene after he gets told to shut the fuck up where he goes over to the bar and yes. there's a regular sitting at the bar with his cigarettes and all that stuff. Yeah. And dude just goes, it just it's a testament to Ziggy's energy. Yes. This regular is just like, I don't want you touching any money. Yeah, he like I moves the shit away. And that guy like that's yeah. what that is. Like that's yes. such a yeah. I remember watching that I'm like, that's a brilliant storytelling device because it's like, man, your energy is just too fucking to wildcard. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what you you're might, gonna do, and I don't you're like. You're gonna it. do some pranks with because my shit. Because we're trying to talk about some serious shit, yeah. so we don't like even our jokes. Or if if we do joke at this serious thing, it's gonna be so dry. Yes. and it's gonna be one of these like where everyone laughs, like, huh, yeah. like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And cool guy, how, cool guy, gangster laugh. And then you know Gumby comes in. He's like, "You're the guy with the nickname." And then <laughs> Gumby comes. <laughs> and then he's like, the, even the joke said a lot to me about like who he is because it's like like rocky and like the show like the thing like yeah, the yeah. cartoon and you're just like shut like you do yeah. feel like him like man shut the fuck up dude. <laughs> yes. everyone knows yeah. what that is look your joke fell flat and that's okay just let it go wait for the next one you know i mean he's yeah. literally like in that scene you're like oh he's the guy who's like love me love me love me love me please love me and it's <laughs> yeah. that is that is who he is in the show. He, he all he wants is respect, and all he wants is for people to like him. And uh, he just, uh, you know, and that he's goes reading every way to do it. Yes, his, his goes... radar. I mean, we all know, like you said, we all do know someone who just their energy is just a like a beat off of everyone's all the yeah. time. And they yeah. want their hearts in the right place, but it's always uh -huh. just like, wow. Well, there's that, nothing more incredible. off putting yeah. than so, like, there's yeah. nothing that uh, deflects human interaction than someone who really, really seems like they desperately need human interaction. Like, I've been around so many versions of that. I, like, I've, yes. I, like, I. I would switch the coffee shop that I worked at in the morning because yes. one of those guys would be in there just like trying to engage everyone in conversation. And it was just like, okay, like you need this too much. And like, I, yes. and I want desperately for you to get that, but I'm not the guy and I can't be around this energy right now. No, you've literally like changed up your own life to avoid guys like Ziggy. Yes. And that is kind of amazing. It, it shows <laughs> Like a, a certain level of like knowing yourself where you're just like, no, I can't do it. Can't be near a guy who needs love. <laughs> it's just <laughs> well, at that, like at a certain level where it's like they just need it really bad. And like, you know that you could never when you could feel. Yes. When you feel the desperation, well, they're, when, when they're like a like, bottomless pit of it and you could you, you want to put in some to feel yes. like you're in a good Hollywood? person that you're helping. You've met yeah. people like that in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Just this was actually pit of neediness. And this was actually in San Francisco. Like I'm thinking of specifically here of this guy who like would like he, he kind of was like a regular at the coffee shops near where the, in the neighborhood that I lived. He was like this older man with his sweatpants tucked into his socks. I'm pretty sure he had like Asperger's or something, but like he would come oh, in yeah. and uh, just would talk to, try to talk to everyone. And it was always <laughs> just the worst conversation. What you working on? Yeah. And you could, you could see him like you were trying, everyone's desperately trying to avoid this man's eyes. Cause he's just looking around the room, like a fucking tractor yeah, beam that you're going to get he's sucked looking into for someone to say hot enough for yeah, you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What you tapping? What you tapping? Yeah. 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 
I like the Working people that are so, hardly working. That are so unself-aware. The people that like try to trap someone reading a book in conversation are my favorite because it's like nothing says I don't want to talk to strangers like sitting somewhere and reading a book and someone's like, yes. so what you reading? Like you're yeah. just steamrolling every fucking <laughs> signpost there. Yeah. I did watch a porn recently. <laughs> Uh, that was um, it Go was like on. one of those like it was like stepbrother stepsister type thing. I, I don't I don't need that context. I always feel like they add that, and I'm like, who's this for? But uh, <laughs> it was it was uh, the the porn was just called Bookworm. And I was like, all right, I'll, I don't know, I'll click it. It had a good still, and uh, it was just a guy who was just like, why are you reading? And she was like, because I want to be smart, not dumb like you. And uh, nice. And I remember thinking to myself. Uh, other than yeah, this is hot. That I is why off. you read. If we're being yeah, honest, right? That no, is, that is that's the correct reason that's and the a correct good motivation. I mean, it's rude to say it to somebody else, but it is. Oh why yeah, you're no, like, that's I would. Why most people read is because I'm like, I just don't want to be dumb. At, I, I just don't want to be dumb, and uh, you know, at, at the very least, it's like I don't want to appear to be dumb. So I want, I need to know something. Just a little camouflage for my exactly. <laughs> but in that porn, he was able to get her to stop reading the book really fast mm. and i remember thinking like see this is why this is i can't get into this <laughs> yeah it was too make-believe you're giving men nothing, unrealistic expectations unrealistic expectations she's not gonna start sucking your dick stuck in a washing like, machine sure who hasn't had stuck, that happen uh, yeah everyone's but been like, stuck in a washing machine or a windowsill for sure but the idea of like you're reading a book and someone's like don't read fuck me instead no come on yeah not gonna happen no. anyways I don't know how we got there, but uh, <laughs> uh, this is not a podcast about uh, getting stuck in a windowsill uh, and uh, having sex. No, this is a podcast that has ads. So uh, let's take a real quick commercial break and uh, we'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Matt Lieb here with an annoying mid-roll ad that I'm going to be playing until March 17th. Why March 17th, you ask? Well, <laughs> because I'm going to be co-headlining the Sacramento Punchline on Sunday, March 17th at 7 p.m. with my wife, Francesca Fiorentini. I would love it if you all bought your tickets to it. It's going to be really fun. Um, you helped us sell out uh, when we co-headlined the San Francisco Punchline, and now I'm asking for you to... Do it again. That's right. If you're in the Sacramento area or somewhere nearby, um, come to the Sacramento Punchline Sunday, March 17th, 7 p.m. It's going to be so much fun. I'm going to be there. Francesca's going to be there. Uh, someone else is going to open for us. I don't know who, but someone probably pretty funny. You're going to have a great time, and you can get your tickets right now by either clicking the link uh, that's in the show notes or going to punchlinesack.com and uh, buying your tickets. Do it. And if you can't go, hey, maybe you have friends who are in the area and you you know, you know can tell them like, hey, you like comedy. Come see this guy who does a podcast and his wife who also does a podcast. It'll be great. So yes, please come. Sacramento Punchline, March 17th. That's a Sunday at 7 p.m. Come, enjoy, laugh, love. All right. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, Matt Lieb here with an annoying mid-roll ad that I'm going to be playing until March 17th. Why March 17th, you ask? Well, <laughs> because I'm going to be co-headlining the Sacramento Punchline on Sunday, March 17th at 7 p.m. with my wife, Francesca Fiorentini. I would love it if you all bought your tickets to it. It's going to be really fun. Um, you helped us sell out uh, when we co-headlined the San Francisco Punchline, and now I'm asking for you to do it again. That's right. If you're in the Sacramento area or somewhere nearby... Um, come to the Sacramento Punchline Sunday, March 17th, 7 p.m. It's going to be so much fun. I'm going to be there. Francesca's going to be there. Uh, someone else is going to open for us. I don't know who, but someone probably pretty funny. You're going to have a great time, and you can get your tickets right now by either clicking the link uh, that's in the show notes or going to punchlinesack.com and uh, buying your tickets. Do it. And if you can't go... Hey, maybe you have friends who are in the area and, you you know, you can tell them like, hey, you like comedy. Come see this guy who does a podcast and his wife who also does a podcast. It'll be great. So, yes, please come. Sacramento Punchline, March 17th. That's a Sunday at 7 p.m. Come, enjoy, laugh, love. All right. Pod. Down in the hole. So let's real quick outline of this episode. This episode I've broken down into like two parts. First is the where are they now? And then a who are they now? So the where are they now starts off with uh, Jimmy McNulty. We know him from last season. He is currently riding riding the boat, uh, which he is doing because Rawls basically was like, fuck you for everything that happened last season and 
he told Jay Landsman the one thing he didn't want to do was ride the boat. And of course, that's what he ends up doing. Um, and in the opening scene, um, we see him riding the boat. He's freezing his balls off. And he's uh, he's just looking at like the dilapidated remains of Baltimore Harbor or the port of Baltimore. And we find out that um, McNulty's father Sorry. used to work at the shipyard. Sorry, oh, just a slight digression. But uh, like Landsman yeah. is such a perfect middle management character because it's like he is uh chummy with his underlings and like mm -hmm. he can like he can uh camouflage himself as one of the guys but he's also a fucking snake and you should never tell him anything like what you don't yes. want to do yeah because he's a company man first and foremost but he also is like hey i'm a fun guy to hang out with but i, I will, will stab you yeah. in the back and we'll sell <laughs> you Luna. out just for like a slight more bit of uh job security jay Luna. no uh, jay landsman jay Luna. Oh, he's exactly. In fact, that's why they named them Jay was after Jay Leno. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, similar vibe. You know, what I mean? he, he's got a similar vibe. He's definitely, uh, you know, hey, he's a lot of fun. You know, hey, I told him you didn't want to ride the boat. Eh, what, what were they supposed to do? You seen this? You heard about this? It is. This, yeah, that's my uh, that's my Jay Leno impression. Finally, I got to do my Jay Leno. <laughs> um. So, yeah, uh, and in the opening scene, you get to see um, you get to see that there is a boat that has been it's like a party boat, a yacht, essentially, I think, that is stuck in the middle of the harbor in a shipping lane. And um, he, as a policeman, boat sailor, uh, is called over to tell them we got to tug your boat out of the way. And instead, he takes a bribe um and keeps them afloat uh essentially in the shipping lane still yeah well which, the people just want to party on a boat they don't need to like see the scenery they're on a boat they're just the scenery is probably the worst part of partying right. in a boat yeah no one gives a, a shit they didn't even Baltimore. they didn't it's even cold. notice that the boat was stopped yeah Why would it's, you be outside it's cold you can't yeah, see it, anything yeah yeah it's cold and the only thing you can see is like the dilapidated remains. Yeah, of you know it's funny this whole this whole uh, the this whole tableau that the that the show opens with, um, mm -hmm. it's very like specific uh, to the Rust Belt. I, like because I remember visiting Cleveland for the first time and being on like the shores of uh, Lake Erie when it's you know it was it was like a September so it was beautiful mm -hmm. out and you look at this like all these all this like acres of prime shoreline and like coming right. from California, you're like, okay, well obviously like in California, this would all be condos and where rich people live. But like the way, you know, the Rust Belt worked was like, this was all the place where they did industry. So they have all of the like ugliest uh, refineries, factories, right. just place where they, places where they make shit that spew black smoke into the air. Uh, right. It was convenient to put them on these waterways because that was like the highways of the olden times. And now, so like just that entire first scene, it, it sort of firmly places you in the context of what the show's about, which is like this deindustrializing period yeah. where uh, all these all these places, they used to be factories and you got this union that are trying to hold on to their livelihood, but uh, everybody else is just like, hey, why don't we put like some condos on this waterfront right. uh and so they're constantly like in danger of being forced out by rich people who want to use it right. as you know as like a playground 
instead of... Which is why the opening scene, I think, is actually, uh, is they're doing a little bit of art because uh, basically all of the rich dudes in the yacht get to use their money um, to continue uh, fucking up the shipping lanes. Right. And, uh, so, yeah, what is, the, what is the name of the boat? Capital... Uh, uh, Capitals. The capital gains. Yeah. Capital so gains. there's the capital gains, and then like the the stevedores are talking about how they uh, need a new grain elevator. Uh, yeah. For to do to continue doing like you know industrial work there, and then in episode two, uh, well, they're also like and, and they're ep- also sorry. I think what they're just, arguing just real quick, about. But, but like in episode two, uh, Valchek goes to that guy's office, and he's got a model for a new condo building, and the condo right. is called the Granary, which is you know yes yeah, yeah. it is uh on the nose but also well kind even of what they're arguing about is like you know when the one dude is like you you little dick mo and they're arguing about that like you go down to Naples asking for the goddamn canal you gonna come back with nothing but your little shriveled ass dick in your hand and what's more if the grain pier don't get fixed up soon well, some asshole's gonna fuck us by building condominiums all over it that if the canal were two feet deeper hey, fuck the canal we Y'all can... need to crawl back down in them holes. What those two people are arguing about are pipe dreams. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. dredging, dredging the bottom to make yeah, it three yeah. feet Dredge deeper. Dredge the canal. Right. Like, yeah. That's like that's a pipe dream. And then the other dudes being like, "No, we just need this thing to do yeah. the thing." Yeah. And the other guy's like, "No, you're not thinking. You're like, no, you're insane. You're insane. Yeah. These are pipe dreams. And right. it, you know, like you said, it is art. It's called capital gains, and it's because." They shipped all that stuff elsewhere. Yeah, for money. We don't make anything in America anymore. Yeah, that's like cap- the whole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We make we make thing. bribes and graft. Yes, we do graft, and we figure out ways to make money from already pre-existing money, uh, and that's about it. Like also, there is, there's yeah. the art is we also use government resources to pull us yes yes 100 percent. when we mess up we use the government's resources to pull us out the way mm-hmm. we want them to bail us out right exactly we need a bailout literally they're getting a bailout in the middle of the port of baltimore and uh it's it's kind of it's kind of genius and i love watching jimmy mcnulty um like you mentioned before billy like just taking a bribe in the first scene <laughs> where it ju- just to remind you just to remind you, like, there's no good good guys, bad guys thing. Yeah. Like, no, he's not but, Joe Friday. He doesn't do good police work because he believes no. uh, in the value of police work. He does good police work because he wants to show other people that he's smarter than they are it's and to all, tell the bosses to eat shit. Like, that's yeah. it. All spite. Yeah. And, and the, the spite motivation in this episode is fantastic because there's a, an entire spite based uh series arc for or a season arc for for this uh for season 2 of the wire in that it is polish two polish people who know each other from high school hate each other and are uh basically they're both vying to get a stained glass window put into uh the nave of the polish fucking church uh, and because Frank Sabatka got there first, he ends up uh, like th- it starts this entire 
the, this entire like uh it sets in motion in this huge pissing contest which is yes. great because like all that uh all that valchek would have had to do was just check with the priest that the priest had a place for his fucking stained glass but yeah, because called him first yeah he didn't he didn't do like the basic thing of just like communicating a little bit or calling first yeah. that was like the whole fucking beef that encompasses the entire season is set in motion by him not making a phone call, which is beautiful. Oh, surprise. And he's like, oh, I already have one. You should have called. Yeah. Yeah. I already already got that robe. Sorry, dude. I'm going to have to give a gift receipt. Yeah. And, and from that, from that one little piece of beef comes an entire investigation that opens up in season two of Frank Sabatka's IBS union. And uh, all all because of that. Say real quick, like, yeah, before I wanted to say this point, it's like this. The reason I like this show so much is because of what we're talking about. It's like normally I don't care for fiction, yeah, because there's a lot of editing that, that goes on, and you're like, no, nah, someone wouldn't do this, no one would right. do this. Like this shit <laughs> is what is it's why I like. It's why I like reading nonfiction because you're like, yes. well, no one would do that. And you're like, no, you're exactly right. No yeah. one would do that. But this motherfucker right here did this because of some shit from fifth grade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's not like, these Shakespearean. Yes. It's not yes. these Shakespearean Shakespearean themes like fucking betrayal and uh, trying to like live up to a father mm-hmm. or some shit. It's like, no, no, they had a fucking they had a dumb workplace squabble over a uh, stained right. glass. Yeah, no, like, it's, he, they, like the end of this episode is McNulty in there just being like, fuck you because of this thing. It's just, like, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, it's yeah. just one little passing slight of just being like, I didn't even <laughs> think that would offend him or anything. You're like, no, he's fucking, yeah, that's the reason you're under investigation right it's now because you made a smart yeah, it's, And like, it's, that's how people are. Yeah, people are, people are spiteful. People will literally like... The the idea that motivation would ever be something that's like noble is for fiction. <laughs> it is, yes. It is only for fiction. All motivation in this show is usually tied up into the most petty thing you could possibly imagine. And that's what makes it uh, like fun to watch. And it also makes it hard to follow. And it's one of the things where I think that makes, again, this season kind of unfairly be called like boring is that you're you're not sure like literally there's no investigation happening in episode one of the wire there's no investigation like it ends with like hey a murder but that to me is the most like hollywood thing in it is like the when they're like oh we opened up the crate and we found 12 dead girls like that was that that was tv Yeah. yeah, and and it's great. It's not TV. They find dead girls all the time. Yeah, no, true, true. But it, but just kind of like the and watch more next week to see who the twelve fantastic who done it tease. Right, yes. it's a tease. Whereas like the the rest of this, like it's just uh, two Polish men who probably the Sabatkas and the Valchiks probably hated each other since the fucking second partition of Poland, and like they they have beef over a stained glass window and it's that to me i'm like oh that's that real shit that's that real shit fucking it made me that scene each other that scene when he's at the the church and mm-hmm. the priest is playing him so well where it's like yeah. the priest could have been like man i don't just 
they were here first. They gave it. That's what this is what happens. But the priest is also playing him too, or he's like, oh, yeah, he gave him a lot of money. You know, it could have been yeah. this much. No, or this please, much. like that's I can't that's really, tell. I can't that's tell you really how much funny. Money. To play the watch the priest play those two off each other, uh-huh. and then when dude is just like, no, I'll see, t- I'll I'll find out. Like <laughs> it reminded me of someone I went to college with, who I recently just looked up. You know how someone pops in your head mm-hmm. and you're like, I wonder what the hell that person's doing. Yep. And I just just through their social media, I was like, still the same motherfucker who is just <laughs> still like very successful. Do you know what I mean? But like, yeah. Like I can see through some of his stuff where like do you, this all, most of your life is motivated through spite. Yeah, a, yes. pet, a petty and, chiseler, and <laughs> like just the way he comments on stuff, you're just like it still is. He's crazy successful, yeah, and he's still not happy. It's yeah. so strange. Well, that was yeah, yeah when the, like when it comes to a head, I think that's part of why part part of why Valchek is so. It starts the detail is because Sabat could instead of like playing ball, he just calls him out on all this shit and uh, and just points out like every every insecurity that he has. Like, oh, you're just a little shitty. My dad said you're a little shitty guy, and yeah, uh, right. none of the chicks would fuck you. And also, like, you didn't even help out your family. Like, he he goes into a fucking litany. Like, he just yes. he was just waiting for this guy to piss him off. Yeah. And you know, it's like <laughs> one of the big things also is that Frank Sabaka also has a giant cock. <laughs> and like for sure. No, he has 3.5 inches uh, of hard Only a fucking steel. guy with a big dick says that. Yep. Only a guy with a giant hog makes a joke about three and a half inches of hard blue steel. Remind yeah. yourself of who you is and where you come from. Damn, Frank. We just sat here and watched Nat Coxon take a shit all over you. And shriveled dick motherfucker that you are, you take it. For your information, I wake up every morning with an angry blue vein diamond cutter. I was gonna enlighten the president of Local 47 on this particular point, and he chose to depart. <laughs> blue steel, gentlemen. <laughs> For Christ's sake. Three and a half inches of hard blue steel. Um, Great joke, so- by the way. A fantastic. I mean, that scene was just like, okay, we got a fucking, we got a good actor because that, yes, what's his name, Chris Bauer or whatever his name is. That guy is a really good actor, and yeah, uh, and it's it's that's why they give him so many scenes of him just not even talking. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Just oh yeah, just from like this my storytelling brain where I'm just watching how they're doing certain things. It there's so many scenes in this first episode of no dialogue it's all Mm -hmm. reaction or them telling these small stories with just like the camera going to show you something yeah and it's like when when you get an actor who can do everything with his face with his (laughs) eyes especially then you can you can really they're just yeah the director and everybody's just in there like yes (laughs) yeah to make a show it's it's funny because uh Sorry, because Chris Bauer is like a star football player from San Diego. Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, who went to like Yale drama school. But he just, he has that perfect German, like Central European oaf face. Like he's perfect for this kind of role. Um, and it's funny because then, then the guy playing his son, uh, the Ziggy actor, actually grew up in Baltimore. Like Ziggy yes. is 
more authentically Baltimore than yeah. uh, than Sabatka is. Um, but that guy, that guy is just such a good actor and has like the perfect face right. for that role it's, that you immediately accept him. Whereas Ziggy's were like, who the fuck is this guy? Where did he come from? No, that's why, that's why, you know, that's why I like acting is like pretending. Yeah. It's good. important. Yeah. Like good acting is when you pretend the best. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, there's um, a reason they keep hiring the same ones. Because yeah, they're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. Really yeah. fucking good at some of it, and some or of they're like you can't just, just throw anybody in there. <laughs> yeah, or they're really hot. Sometimes. Sorry, really internet. Hot. I know you think that's what it is, but it's, <laughs> I've been on enough sets to know that some people are some good. people are very special and yeah. very good at it, and they should also be kept in cages because of oh, how yeah. good they <laughs> and, are at it, yeah. on, and just like literally not allowed to talk out loud unless no. the camera someone else has said is giving, what they've yeah, yeah well yeah. unless someone has written what they've said yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's funny because in that first scene uh where mcnulty tows the boat the guy who plays like the head boat guy i looked yeah. it up to try and figure out who this actor was i feel like that is some sort of baltimore figure that david yeah. simon gave like a cameo to like he's some yeah. sort of real uh, political figure or police officer because that guy could not fucking act at all even in like no. two scenes where he says like one word i'm like oh this has got to be a non-actor there's no way yeah no that's a real guy you can always tell who the real guys are because you're just like the accent is perfect and no one who is an actor on that show yeah. can do the accent and on that note i feel like we got to give uh some credit to Beatty because uh yeah. she's one of the few actors yeah. in the show that Amy actually Ryan. Amy Ryan attempted to do an actual Baltimore accent and kind of pulled it off. Whereas like yeah. even, even Chris Bauer, who's great, doesn't attempt the accent like at all. No, Amy no. Ryan's so good at subtle. Mm-hmm. Yes. That yeah. you don't, you don't notice how in, insanely good she is. Like her and yeah. Bauer's interaction is just like, Oh, I love it. I, I have, uh, this, I have it that gives scene. me chills. Like watching those two act. Cause you're like, that's just, just look like two people that I knew who were growing up. Hey, Frank. Hey, darling. Just so I can finish my paperwork early, what exactly are your people going to be stealing today? I don't know. A couple luxury sedans, some color TVs, widescreen, maybe a couple cans of vodka, maybe a whole container ship. Okie dokie. Y'all have a good one. <laughs> Their interaction there is so cute, especially considering the fact that, like, not a moment after they're you know like he's joking about crimes and then nikki shows up and goes hey all right so the greek and i are going to do some crimes a (laughs) little bit later (laughs) (laughs) just like and and it says a lot about kind of like the docs are he's the treasurer under police (laughs) he's the treasurer of a stevedores union in the northeast like there's no way he's not done some crimes like you don't yeah you're not the you're not a union treasurer in the fucking uh in the mid-atlantic area without being yeah. at least rubbing shoulders with some criminals. Yeah. You're you're a poor person in charge of like bringing goods and services inside like you can like it's a weird thing to give yes. people like that power because it's like I'm not saying like you shouldn't but I'm just saying like power corrupts absolutely that's right. I mean that's works. kind of the that's the funny thing about the whole that's what I love so much about the Valchek Zabotka beef is it's cuz it's like there are these two sort of semi-impotent uh piss ants and you're like you're wondering and they both think that they control something important enough to fuck the other one over so you're kind of sitting there like okay how is this 
police commissioner or the police colonel. I mean, you, you kind of understand that uh, a guy who is with the police has the means to fuck over anyone in the city. But you're like, sure. okay, how is this longshoreman going to compete with that? And then uh, right, and you get to see throughout this uh, season how they fuck with him, and you go like, oh yeah, no, he would actually have a lot of power as like a guy who runs shipping in and out of the port of baltimore so yeah you get to see these two you know these two polish dudes uh in their little fiefdoms and they're both like i'm the better polish guy <laughs> and it's uh it's great man um but uh yeah so then um getting into uh the beginning of Valchek's scene with roland prez Prezbolewski, uh, I really love this scene because you get to see uh, Prez um, kind of like talking in a way that he hasn't – you haven't seen him thus far. Like he's he's talking to his father-in-law. Valchek is his father-in-law and he knows like – he knows that he has to kind of like kiss the ring in order to like get the thing that he wants. And what he wants more than anything else is to be assigned somewhere where he can use his um, word search puzzle skills – to uh to do his you know like uh, to solve some crimes because he's not a smart guy but he is a guy who like enjoyed being stimulated uh and not being on in the field i'd say he's above average of intelligence compared to you know some of his peers at least i mean i don't know he he's uh he's uh, his peers on the show yeah oh but he's a dumb guy they're all dumb well sure yeah um, but, uh, what I love is the, um, you know, the, the way he's like pleading in that scene. And, uh, meanwhile, Valchek is completely focused on his stained glass. And I have a, I have a quick clip of that. Lester Freeman had us deep into the money, real deep. We could have seized real estate, cash, vehicles, all kind of stuff. If the bosses, I mean, if command had let that case go forward, we were on it. Look at that. Huh? It's the dove. Oh, right. So what do you think? What do I think? I think... Look at that, huh? It's the dove. I don't don't want to make rank. Look at that, look at that, look at that. that. I want to work cases. (laughs) Roland, you did good with the drug thing. Now, if you'll just shut up and listen to me, (laughs) you might actually have the dove. Anyways, uh, listen, I got to make some clips on this show, and it gets boring making clips. Yeah, he likes so, to do uh, some edit. I love that. Like, when he said, I don't care about making rank, I thought his father-in-law was going to slap him across the face, because that's basically, yeah. like, that's his, that is that is Valchek's religion, is making rank. And for someone to say, I don't care about making rank, it's like, whew. That's like yeah, when, why are uh, you doing this? What is yeah, that's like when to, yeah. someone tells Tony Soprano that Columbus uh, isn't a hero. Like, he's, he's, right, yeah, yeah. he's freaking out. In this or, house, or anyone in South Philadelphia, right? <laughs> exactly. No, in this house, rank is a hero. Um, but yeah, uh, I just him basically giving him the outline of like, stop trying to solve crime. Yeah, <laughs> understand what your job is. It's not yeah, to it solve is. crime. Yes, and uh, why don't you uh, get back to uh, you know going out there and blinding? Well, it's it's politics. Kids. It's it's politics yeah. on every level where it's like it's just showing games within games of mm-hmm. the, it's like like that's a weird thing to get into like why would you get into being a policeman if you're just gonna be like I wanna be 
Right. I want to play politics inside the police department. You're like, well, then go play politics. Yeah. What yeah. is wrong with like, <laughs> yeah. But it's also, it, like, I'm fascinated, you know, I'm always mm-hmm. fascinated with, like, inside comedy and show business. There's yeah. politics at play. Oh, yeah. There's, there's oh, stuff yeah. like that. And that's silly. But it also makes sense to me because there's, like, a lot of money involved and, like, yeah. they're, like, not hard jobs. There's, like, a ton of, they're lottery jobs. So, yes. like, so that makes sense why there's politics happening. No, because yeah. you can because you can move up in life really right. Quickly. And there is like seniority, and there are people who get stuff because they have seniority, and it sucks for the rest of us. Who but that, uh, that makes sense because there's like, but then like I'll be talking to my mom or my mm-hmm. dad who were like school teachers in a small town. Yeah, and there's that same kind of mm-hmm. like weird backstabbing power moves and stuff and i was like but what do they get paid more i don't under and my mom's no. like nope nope they just have more responsibility and i was like yes. i do not understand <laughs> no, <that's, laughs> yeah. my favorite thing is in the open mic scene i love i love when the these kind of like political situations exist in micro in open mics especially <laughs> or like local comedy scenes when it's just like you know, three guys who like run all the shows, and hey, <laughs> hey if you work on, if you want to do a set over at uh, Flappy Dappy's, you can't work at Chucky Fuckies, <laughs> and like, <laughs> and I love that because it's like, well, what is it like? Do you get paid? No, I'm a volunteer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's like, more important when you're a volunteer because yes. all you have to show for it is these little uh, social badges. So Right, and if, that yeah. you have the power to stop people working at Chucky Fuckies. Yep. And it's like that is like, oh, man, got to kiss the ring. A Flappy Dappy's guy is the fucking best booker in town. But they don't. Um, they, they Even that's short-sighted because it's yes, not like they course. stay. It's like. Especially in Los Angeles, that one cracks me up because you'll get to know some booker and like you see people that just moved here too that always cracks me up. Like, yeah, I got I got in good with this booker over here at so and so. You're like, cool. Call me in three months when they don't work there anymore. And just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're just like, what? And I'm like, I've been passed at the improv five times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no and it, it's it's all it's actually funnier in los angeles because in los angeles i i understand people thinking like no 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 out here the gatekeepers are big deals and sure. it's like guess what <laughs> they're not the even same here. people it's, same it's, pe- it's it's but and but then when you see it even like like he's like the other guy's like the he's like i want to be a good cop and he's like no no, yeah. this is power you're gonna get this and you don't have to and then even the the you know the union guys they're not doing anything no that's no. why they want to be union guys so they don't they just sit in the the container and, with couches and tell everybody what to do like right. that's what and, they start fighting for is just yes like, the, it's a, it's their way of life and you see that in the scene where they're all at the bar it's one of my favorite scenes because that is like the 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 first time you go like, oh, that's what this is all for. Like, like, because you wonder, you know, with the amount of, you know, uh, job insecurity there is now, um, with the amount of backbreaking labor that these longshoremen have to do, why even do this? And then you see in that scene at the bar, like, no, the reason you do it is because you get to go to the bar 
and you get to rock out with your homies and everyone's just chanting like, no wives, no wives, no <laughs> it wives. It is the same reason a dude wants to be a Navy SEAL. It's, exactly. It's the, the same core, reason it's dude not, wants, or a cop. It's not to kill somebody. It's that core brotherhood of like, yes. me and these dudes are the only people that do this. Right, yeah. Or firefighters yeah. or comedians. It's yes. a bunch of people who are just like, no wives, no wives. And they're getting drunk and one guy puts pulls their dick out. And it's just well, like, that is funny. You thought no wives immediately because when I was watching that bar scene too, I was like, I mean, they must hate going home. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, of course. Well, yes, their wives must the hate it when I they thought. go home. It's because it's just well, I just think you because like even when I was like had a nine to five or whatever, mm-hmm. I would still be like, I'm gonna go home. I like my house. Like, oh yeah, like, totally. You know what totally. I mean? But like anyone I knew that would be like, get off work, and then. Go to, and they're like, well, they're alcoholics. Like, I know plenty of alcoholics that don't go to the bar directly. They totally. go home and drink. Like that does not. Yeah. That's not a yeah. thing. But it was the people that were just like they go home and then they go to bar for a couple hours and then they, it was like, are you? And they're like, oh, I'm not in a happy marriage. No, oh, yeah. And you're just <laughs> no, like, life's oh, bad okay, at this home. makes sense. Yeah. I think it, I've always I think wondered the same, about that. the same 100%. thing about people who run like marathons and shit like that, where it's like. Okay, like if you're if you're regularly running more than ten miles, it's no longer about exercise. Like at this point, you hate your family. Like you know, it's like I'm it's... someone that does half marathons, and I agree with you on that. <laughs> yeah, you only because have... like a half marathon's like this is exercise. Yeah. it's like I'm an athlete, so I need a little more than most people sure. need exercise. You need a challenge. Not... Yes, but I'm with you on like I even like. I trained for tri. I'm doing a tri a longer triathlon this year. Nice. But that's not crazy. Like a, like it's just you. You train the same amount of time every day, just different yeah. stuff. Yeah. But the marathon stuff, those people that I'm the same with you. I'm always like, oh, you're just like, you, you, just like avoiding therapy or the house. <laughs> yeah. or something. No, I need to. Like, I need to go something. run for three hours a day. Like, eh, yeah. Do yeah. You? That's. Like, that's a yeah. like I get it. You're running from you're not something. a professional, and you're this just is, doing multiple. Okay, this All is right. quite on the nose. Um, or the, every now and then they're like open about it. like, oh, I either have to do marathons or I'll start smoking crack again. Right, like, exactly. You get, you that know, I you get. Spend, you yeah, you got idle hands, motherfucker. Go get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, that, I'm with you on that. Like that is marathon. It's sort of that you're like, oh, you're just you're just like an alcoholic. That's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And you know sometimes uh, you. I, I listen, I love my home life. I love being from home, but I work from home. So I look at a bunch of guys hanging out at a bar and I'm like, yeah, and I, I don't drink. And I'm still like, fuck yeah, no, no I get yeah, it. No, I would do cool. that. I thought, you know, I was like, maybe I'll be a, a steel worker. But the problem <laughs> is, is I got fun. too much- like the singing part where they're doing all that and they know each other and the lady's yeah. like, don't pull it out again. Like, I know that part of being like, that part. But That's I kept best- thinking of like, They've been at work all day. Yeah. Yeah. And then they were like, let's let's go drink like we let's, always let's hang do. out with the same people again. Yeah, it's, but it's like, but that's when they really get to let loose. And I feel like, you know, because otherwise, you know, you got a crate going to fall on you. You really, uh, you got to be yeah, careful. painkillers during the day. Yeah. Booze at night. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's what it's all for. Uh, to just close out, uh, th- at least for this episode's um, docs, <laughs> this is um, yeah. <laughs> for 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 their uh, for the the doc storyline, um, 
as we said, uh, Nikki and Ziggy, they go, they meet the Greek. Uh, Ziggy makes a fool of himself. Nikki finds out about when this, like, the the Atlantic light is coming in and they got a crate. And you don't know what they're smuggling, but you know that they have some sort of deal work out where they, like, smuggle stuff. Um, and the Russian does not pick up the crate that he was supposed to pick up. Uh, he just leaves and they're like, all right, fuck it. Get it lost. Lost. Well, he the sits fucking- there. He sits there waiting. That's that's the part that I think is just so funny to me. Yeah. It's like the way because that's also like a that's not a that's not a I normal mean, fiction device. I just feel like David Simon pulls a lot from stuff he watched happen. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, hundred yeah. percent. Like it's like I I worked on Squidbillies because I'm a the hillbilly and uh, yeah yeah yeah. There was like one time we were pitching ideas in this room and i said this line and someone's like no and i was like that's a quote man that's (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and he went oh i see what you're saying yeah yeah Um, it's like that's what i thought when i watched some of this yeah you watch the wire you're like oh he saw that happen that's unfortunate that's a thing that happened um so they lose the stack uh in the cans uh or they lose the can in the stacks then B.D. Russell is doing her rounds, and she sees that the custom seal is broken on one, and so she enters it, and we find twelve dead girls, um, all up in all up in there, super dead. Um, so that's what's going on with the uh, with the docks. Just in terms of what's going on with uh, to finish with Jimmy, Jimmy McNulty actually uh, has <laughs> so much great spite in this episode, in that like he- it's. He's it's it's incredible because number one, uh, we have it, it's spite. inspiring. Yeah, it is inspiring. because you start thinking like, who's motivated me this much? Even <laughs> yeah. even Rawls has to kind of begrudgingly be like, man, that's some good spite. I know it's yes. for me, yes, he does. but I respect He's like, ah, well played, ass. Well, yeah. That's good. It is. Yeah, it is like <laughs> putting like energy and like using your brain just for a fuck you to me is always like the most like mad respect mad respect mm-hmm. um so uh jimmy finds a dead girl uh ray cole gets it assigned to him at first but then uh when jimmy goes to check on his uh floater um the finds out that they pawned it off on the county um and Jimmy's pissed about this because Jimmy knows this was a murder. He starts like talking about like, you know, the resistance wounds and all this shit. Um, and uh, he wants he basically just wants to say fuck you to his old unit. Um, by the way, did you notice that part where Jimmy enters uh, his old uh, unit and there's uh, a, a black lady a black that woman? stares at his ass for like an uncomfortably yeah. long time? <laughs> Yeah, Winona. Yeah, I love that. He just looks at looks at his ass and goes, mm, mm, mm. and I'm like, you know what? I get it. He's hot. That's nonfiction too. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, that actress definitely just did that on her own. Uh huh. I mean, what, what can you say? He's hot. But uh, so as soon as Jimmy finds out that like uh, they pawned it off on the county, he he goes on a computer for the first time probably ever, and like. He's just like looking at the tides and the time and the map, and he is able to figure out where the lady 
um he would he would become like an amateur ornithologist if it meant fucking over a boss like he would become an expert on like the fucking eastern uh flat billed woodpecker if it if that's what it took Dude, he would solve cold he would figure out cold fusion just to say (laughs) fuck you to rawls yeah like he's he's uh He's amazing. And uh, yeah, he's able to figure out that technically the tide brought the dead body into the county jurisdiction, but where the body had landed originally was in the city of Baltimore. And so they're able to send it back. Mm-hmm. And that to me was fantastic. Also, part and of the spite- calling him Prince of Tides. Excellent. Yeah, it's a good bit. Also, um, also, I think it speaks volumes about the other two. We're like, yeah, we pawned it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. God, figure damn. that shit out. She's yeah, dead, and dead we're never going to know. Uh, she's there. You fished her out east of the bridge, right? That's Baltimore County. She's there, dead. You sold them on that? <laughs> Rawls did. He called up the colonel said, you got one hell of a murder on your hands. <laughs> it's all about self-preservation, Jimmy. Something you never learned. Well, so the there's like all that speaks volumes about who these people are, too. Yes. Yeah. It's one of the things I love about the show is like the the main like thrust of all the police, the murder police is like, how do I like get out of having to be the guy to figure this out? Because <laughs> like it makes me look bad if I can't figure it out. And I'm not like good at this. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. Um, but also. USA. Uh, USA. <laughs> Jimmy also uh, acts out of spite with Bunk. Uh, even though he's friends with Bunk, he won't tell him where uh, where Omar is. Uh, even though Omar is like a crucial part of this case. Um, yeah, I think this Bird. is interesting. Like, I I don't think I connected the dots when I watched this the first time, but. Uh, uh-huh. McNulty's clearly doing the thing like when a murderer won't tell the police where one of the bodies is because they think that's like their they think that's going to be their trump card to like either not get the death penalty or to get like right. like Jimmy thinks that he's going to get back uh, to homicide homicide by not telling them where Omar is like I think he right. thinks, I think he's going to he thinks that's the card that he's going to play to get him back in the in oh the that's good interesting graces. I didn't consider that you think that's what he's doing yeah I think that's what he's doing I thought he was just being a bitch because, like, he is a bitch. He is a bitch, but I think I think he's doing that because he thinks that mm. it's somehow like because he, he has no leverage at this point, and he's he's thinking that that is his last remaining remaining bit of leverage that he can yeah. use to, uh, you know, get his career back on track. Uh, let's end this with uh, our check in with the Barksdale organization uh, because hey, that's the reason we watched the show to begin with. What's going on with the Barksdales and? In this episode, I kind of feel like they um uh I'm not really sure what's going on with Avon and and Stringer. I think their money is tied up in like their connection in New York and he and like Stringer goes to speak with a lawyer who's like, I'm Roberto's lawyer and he doesn't want to do business with Barksdales because they might be flipping. And so uh clearly something bad is going on mm-hmm. with their uh with their drug game connection uh so so yeah, that they don't sucks. say it in this episode it comes later where they're like oh yeah the dominican so apparently like their <clears throat> their heroin connection is coming through the dominicans and yeah. uh the dominicans are scared because avon went to jail and didn't get that long of a sentence so they're like hey what's up with that which is kind of amazing because like the what's up with that is essentially that um the 
bike sale organization um, kind of outwitted, um, you know, the Baltimore police and yeah. uh, and also the Baltimore police fucked themselves. Uh, and he's a victim of his own success is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, well, leveling up is hard. Leveling up is hard. You know, there's it's, a, like, it's some, hard to be the king. There's some, you know, Jay-Z talks about a lot of his successes. He doesn't talk about a lot of the like the yeah. trials and tribulations of like doing that kind of work and that kind of business and it is it's a hard job i mean it's funny because it seems like it's a constant i'm gonna like stressor i'm gonna make it because it's it seems greed based a lot of the criminal (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's like you get hung up on some of the uh, nuts and bolts of how that works but like really the rub is that we get to watch Bodie not understand how radio stations work. Oh, God. like my favorite, me. my favorite aspect of this episode by far is first he doesn't understand how radio stations work, then he stumbles upon Lake Wobegon on NPR. <laughs> Garrett, and Garrett, Garrison, fuck, fucking Garrison Keeler. So he starts listening to Garrison Keeler, and you're like, and you're imagining Bodie being like, "What the fuck is this?" and immediately changing the channel. But then no. when he switches cars, he goes back to Lake Wobegon. <laughs> Which I fucking love. <laughs> That's my favorite shit ever in this. It's like him being like, what the hell are people listening to? And then He's talking about to tomato being, season. Yeah, and then just cut to him listening to this. Winters kill off the weaker varieties of caterpillars. <laughs> Fuck. And leave a tent caterpillar that's of an entirely different Like, the, the ability to listen to Prairie Home Compa- I don't have that ability. To, to me, it's like, he must have just been like, well, where is this going? Actually, this reminds me of a real Actually, thing that was, happened to me. I was going to say, like, it, yeah. it. all it is to me is, like, when I'm touring and you're uh-huh. driving and you turn on AM radio, you're going to hear some weird weird yeah. stuff on am radio and yeah. like that's more entertaining than most things to me and like, yes. i guarantee you like at first he was like what in the hell is because that's how you start <laughs> listening to any of that stuff that's and then you're true like, and then all of a sudden you're like what are they talking about like how yeah. is this huh. well i i saw garrison keeler do a a live prairie home companion at the Hollywood Bowl when I was in high <laughs> oh, school. God, that's yeah. Awful. So my my parents took me to it. I did not know what it was, <laughs> and I took my I took my friend. And well, at uh, the Hollywood Bowl, you think it might be kind of fun and weird. You're gonna be like, it's gonna be something. It's yeah. gonna be something entertaining. It's live because it's you know. not. You don't know. Not everybody gets booked there. Yeah, no, it's a it's a hard venue to get booked at. Yeah. Uh, me and my friend sat watching Garrison Keillor talk for fucking 45 minutes and we both had this thing where we both did not say anything and we watched it and then at some point we looked at each other and we're like where the fuck is the punchline <laughs> like we yeah. thought it was set up <laughs> why is the he whole, saying this yeah what is he talking about and you're waiting because you're like yeah yeah and then he's gonna fucking hit us with it and like that is what was going on with Bodie. Yeah, He's it does sound like, like it's going to be a setup for really good punchline, and then it yes. never comes. He has setup voice. The punchline, and- I think, was him getting me tooed. Like of all the people yeah. to get <laughs> fucking me tooed in the country, <laughs> like Garrison Keeler had getting me tooed had to be the funniest one. Like even that was I don't think anybody even wanted to like fact check it to see if it actually happened because the idea of Garrison Keeler <laughs> getting me well, it was like a, it was good. like a. 
it wasn't like a back kind of a back rub that who went knows too far i remember reading about because i was the same as you i was like well what did this weirdo do yeah, yeah. it was and it, uh, to me it, i'm and i god this should be probably be edited but i re- just remember thinking like when i read it, it was like something kind of simple but like a lingering touch i'm like yeah, yeah that right. dude if that dude touches me a little longer and i want him to i'm like yeah no, i didn't like it like <laughs> he's it. a lingering guy yeah i don't yeah. wonder if that was lingering his, his personality lingering yeah, like, is his whole see, vibe i can yeah. see any like just any like, i don't know your vibe's not cool um, but I, I i just i love bodie discovering npr and being like you know what's going on at lake wolpagon <laughs> yeah where, where the fuck and, Can I, uh, as we end this, I do want to, this is my yes. last point. Uh, mm. I learned this recently and it was, it's, it's even more fascinating to watch it on the, in this episode. But Idris Elba mm-hmm. was a manager at Caroline's Comedy Club. What? In New York City for a little bit. Oh, I had no idea. That Doug, he- Doug Benson tweeted that, like, cause Caroline's is moving or closing the, the uh Times Square location, which it's been yeah. in for like thirty or something years. Uh and Doug was like, he's like, I he's like, I've always wanted to run into Idris Elba and ask him if he remembers me because he used to be a manager at Caroline's. And I was <laughs> yeah. just like, What a crazy business I'm in. Yeah. 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 Occasionally, uh the you know, the gatekeepers we're talking about, they become Stringer Bell. That they you be, never really yeah, know in this become business. the hottest man on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Um and yeah, uh and Basically, that uh, storyline ends with Bodie um, being a giant prank is played on him by Stringer to give Bodie the impression that uh, he has eyes everywhere, which um, he certainly does not. And that <laughs> is the episode. Um, and yeah, if I had to give this episode a letter grade, which I absolutely do, I would give it a solid B plus. Vince, what would you give this episode? Yeah, like I said, I mean, this is just an incredible first episode. Um, it's got all the things. It's got a petty workplace beef. It's got a container full of dead prostitutes mystery. It's got a fail son with a huge dick who hangs dong. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, what more could you ask for? Uh, and therefore, I give it a solid B plus. All right, fair. Um, Billy Wayne Davis. Um, B plus. If you had to give this a <laughs> B plus. Oh wow, there we go. B plus. It's a B plus episode of the wire and an a plus episode of pod yourself the wire billy wayne davis thank you so much for coming on the pod and talking anytime, about the wire with us anytime you guys need someone i'll i'll We'd rewatch l- this we- stuff this is awesome fuck yeah i would love to have you back Follow- i like this better than the sopranos oh mm. i know i I'm said drinking. that out loud and like that's true when I, was I think drinking, we do too I was like i should have not said that. no no we that's drinking. true People i, we, I think we've admitted that on the show that it's a better show um yeah, where can people find you on the internet? If you just Google Billy Wayne Davis, that's probably the easiest way to do it. Um, okay. I have a special I really want you to watch. It's on YouTube. If you Google Billy Wayne Davis Testify, it'll pop up. So it's All very right. good. I'm proud of it. Check out Testify by Billy Wayne Davis. Billy Wayne, thank you so much for coming on. We love Anytime. you. Anytime. Anytime. Patreon.com slash broadcast. $8 tier gets you a shout out. Vince, we have one, two, three, four, five, six sh- shout outs. Are you ready to do oh, those? Oh, geez. Six shout outs. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the first is $40, which is insane. Grant McAllister. Hold on. I'm trying. I'm looking now. I like to see him on the Google Doc. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Uh, oh, man. Whew. Uh, we call this, we call this guy, uh, 
Mm-hmm. We're having trouble here. <laughs> <laughs> Grant McCallum. That's just such a normal name. Uh, Grant. Yeah, U.S. Grant. Uh, we call this guy uh, the former president Grant. General Grant. We call this guy Handout because he's always looking for grants. And he's giving All us right. grants. He's giving us $40. Yeah, so. which is a big time grant. Yeah. Uh, next is Regal Johnson. Oh, this guy's King Dick. Cause, all right. Yeah, Regal we, Johnson. We would all love to have a Regal Johnson. What an elegant cock. <laughs> <laughs> Next, Mark Silverstein. Oh, Mark Silverstein. Uh, we call this guy friggin' don't, what? Don't. what oh, I thought you were going to go, the Jew. <laughs> I, thought yeah, I, was, <laughs> I was getting worried. I was like, uh, leave meeting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, leave meeting. Um, uh, yeah, we call this guy Easy Mark. Easy Mark, I like it. Mm-hmm. Connor Devlin. Connor? I hardly know her. Uh, yeah, that's what we're calling That's him. good. Mm-hmm. That's that's a great uh, nickname. Na- next is Zane uh, Royhana. I th- didn't I already name this guy? Because I think... Uh, he- he, he paid again. I think Ruhana made me think of Ruhaha. Bru, like I call this. I think I call this guy Kerfuffle because he's like a Bruhaha. He's like, he's a big to do, you know. All right. Yeah. And finally, um, this I don't know how to pronounce. Graham. Graham. That's just how British people spell Graham for some reason. Oh, gross. Gra- uh, Graham Kemley. Kem. Kemley. What a great Kemley. This guy. Uh, we call this guy. Fuck's good. We call this guy Cracker. Mm-hmm. Okay, Cracker. Uh, that is your uh, $8 or more shoutouts this week. Um, by the way, if you are someone who has like not gotten a shoutout and you like paid like a while ago and you're like, where is my shoutout? Please email us, frogkiss at gmail.com. And uh, let us let us know because uh, we will you know some people do fall through the cracks and of course we have a bunch uh, for next week as well. But again, Patreon.com/slash/broadcast for all of your shoutouts and the bonus episodes. Broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Vince, what is the Google Voice number? Four one five two seven five zero zero three zero. All right, everyone. Thanks again so much for listening. And until next time, if you come at the king, you best not miss.
She's not. Don't tell Francesca. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.